If you would like to stand, we're going to read our scripture for this morning. We are looking in the book of Luke, chapter 1. We're going to start with verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that nothing is impossible with God. We thank you that you gave us your son, you gave us this child as a gift to make atonement for our sins, to make a way, a pathway to you, Lord God, and we celebrate that at this Christmas season. I pray, Lord, that amidst all the busyness and the things that we do at this time of year, that your son would be at the front of our hearts and our thoughts and our, and our spirit. We pray your blessing on our day today. We pray that you would anoint our pastor, give him words to share that would challenge our hearts and encourage us as we, as we work to serve you and to live for you and to glorify you each day. We pray your blessing that we would just sense, continue to sense your presence in this place and that we would be, God, your light as we go out of this place. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you... Find some people you don't know and introduce yourself and be friendly and shake hands.
excited to do uh, two, uh, two presentations of a Calvary Christmas this year, and we actually had more people at the first service this year than we did last year. And so, uh, so we're having to rethink all of that one more time. And so we're going, but I just want to commend all of you for inviting your friends. And if you were new with us last week, we're so glad uh, that you're here again today. And uh, we just want to celebrate the greatness of what God is doing in our lives and what he means to us each and every day. Uh, waiting. How many of you like to wait? I'm not a big fan of waiting. I like to get there and, and, and get going. Have you ever had to wait on something or someone and found yourself? I used to go to this doctor, and, and invariably I'd get there, and I'd have to wait 45 minutes after I, my appointment scheduled time to get in to see him. And I got so I would call and say, how's he doing on his schedule? before I left to go to the doctor's office. And the receptionist didn't like that. They said, well, you're supposed to come over here. I said, no, if I come over, I'm just going to wait. I don't want to come over. I'd rather wait at home and drive over a few minutes later because I just don't like the process of just doing nothing and waiting. Have you ever had to wait on something or someone and said, come on? You know, I'm waiting. Let, let, let's, come on, let's, let's go or... Come on, when are they going to get here? Has anybody been, no nudging your husband or wife. We want to stay in the Christmas spirit here today. So anybody been in that place where you're just kind of, I have six children. I love them with all my heart. I have one beautiful, gorgeous, kind-hearted, impatient wife that I am grateful for every day. But over these last uh, 33 years, I have had to wait many, many times. I've waited at the door saying, come on, we need to go. I have said many times, I said we need to leave at 8, not at 8.10. I have waited for them on the car to take them to school. I have waited up at night for them to get home. I have waited for them to come and meet me, for me to take them home. I have waited for them at stores while they pick things out. I have pleaded with them and, and, and been frustrated with them and threatened to leave them to find their own way home. <laughs> I have done interventions before an event happens to prepare them for the time we're coming and going. I have told them, if you are late today, I will not sign any excuse paper for, you, for your teachers, all to no avail. As I have waited, many times I've been reminded of the children's song, have patience, have patience, don't be in such a hurry, have patience, have patience, you'll only start to worry. Remember, remember that God has patience too and think of all the times when others had to wait on you. I will tell you that song does not give me any solace. It just makes me more frustrated. 
and I've had to realize that I am most likely reaping the whirlwind of what I have sown over the years, making other people wait on me. The song we're looking at today, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, this Christmas song that we're looking at could easily be titled The Anxious Waiter. It's all about waiting. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Each verse starts with an O come. In modern day vernacular, we could say, we would put it this way Come on already. Come on and get here. Come on and do this thing. Come on, we're ready. Because it's about come. O come, Emmanuel. The song we sing today was uh, put to music in the 1800s by a guy named John Neal. He was, uh, John was a, a minister. He was involved in many, many religious activities, very, very active in ministry. And get this, in his spare time, kind of as a, a hobby, he would translate Greek and Latin hymns and put them to music. That's kind of a fun guy, don't you, don't you think? He focused on the ones around the feasts and the fasts of the Christmas year. And today, you know, we sing his version of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. While the hymn as we find it today was first published back in the 19th century, its origins, where it really came from, is actually found in a Benedictine Gregorian chant of the 8th and 9th centuries. Now, you want to get that picture a bunch of monks rapping in unison. That's what you got going on there. And history tells us that during, this, during the Christmas season, the monks would chant. There, there were actually, we have four verses in, in most hymn books. There were actually seven. And that the, chant, the, the monks would chant one verse every day going up to Christmas Day in celebration of Christ's coming and in hope and prayer and in celebration of the hope that we have in his second coming. And it's all about this idea of Christ coming. What's fascinating is that the original seven verses each began with a messianic title. What that means is each of those verses takes a name that the Bible declared Jesus would be called by, that the Christ would be called by, and it puts that name into the very opening of each one of those verses. So as you read down through the verses in the original. It's, O come, O come, wisdom. And, and the next one would be, O come, God. O come, root of Jesse. O come, king of David. O come, as we sang today, day spring. O come, king of Gentiles. And the verse that we sing first, O come, O come, Emmanuel, was actually the last verse. O come, O come, Emmanuel, God with us. The celebratory part of the song, Rejoice, Rejoice, Emmanuel, Succumb to Thee, O Israel, was added later. It wasn't a part of the original. 
In this song today, we celebrate the truth. This is really important. We celebrate the truth that we can be set free from the captivity of sin. Saved from sin. When we think about being saved, we think about going to heaven. But part of being saved is being saved from the captivity, the hold that the sin nature has upon our life. This is like being saved from drowning or saved from a lion. You're, a, you're captured. You can't help yourself anymore, and someone comes along and rescues you. This is a celebration that the sin nature that's in us, that holds us, literally holds us in slavery, the Bible says. The song says, holds us captive. That because Emmanuel comes, because of his presence in our life, we can be set free from that captivity. We don't have to be ruled by the sin in us. We don't have to be ruled by the corruption of our desires. We don't have to hide them from other people. We don't have to feel shame for the fact that we were once in sin. But what we see is that these actions, are, these are the actions of, a, of broken men in slavery to a sin nature, but at Emmanuel, the Savior, can set us free from the grip of sin. That's good news, friend. We can become new in our Savior. Today, He is here to satisfy our deepest longings the right way. So when you hear somebody say, well, this is just the way I was born, or this is just the way I am, or this, they, they're probably telling you to some element the truth about their sin nature. This is what my sin nature longed for. This is what my sin nature led me into. This is what my sin nature, I, I've just given in to my sin nature when what Christ says to us is that he comes to set us free from the sin nature. See, the Old Testament law reminds us when we look in the law and it tells us not to lie or not to steal or not to be immoral, it tells us, it tells us, it reminds us of how broken our nature is because we, we find comfort and ease in the lie. We find satisfaction in the cheating or the stealing. We find some solace and answer in the immorality. It fits our sin nature. It's what we are without Christ. And the Old Testament is given to us, the law is given to us to show us this is against, this is man's way without God. It's not God's way. And you are captive to it. And the law itself laid down reminds us and shows us how powerless we are to actually free ourselves from the sin nature that's in us. Oh, it's easy for us to look at the grip of sin in somebody else's life and judge it. To look at the action of sin, of their sin nature, 
and go, how can anybody act that way? How can anybody think that way? How can anybody live that way? All at the same time, while making excuses and justifying the acts of our sin nature, the things that we do that the Old Testament law tells us is wrong. And the Old Testament reminds us, and, and, and Jesus reminds us, we can't free ourselves from that. We can't change ourselves from that. In fact, the promise is, is that the day will come and has now come when God will write his law on our hearts. This is a manual, God with us, coming and now rewriting our hearts by the power of his spirit in us so that what once gripped us and held us is broken in us, and we are now slaves to righteousness. People walking in holiness. This is the good news of Emmanuel with us. Not just rules, not just God overlooking. It's about Jesus coming and us finding the promise of being healed. We lie, we cheat, we steal, we lust, we hate. We look at others through the eyes of pride and the eyes of arrogance. We miss the value of each person and judge others' weaknesses. And because of that, we feel better about ourselves in the process. We make excuses and defend our actions. We walk in insecurity and fear and we lack trust and we manipulate others. Because we're broken. Not because we're right, because we're broken. And get this, when Emmanuel comes, when Jesus comes, he came so that we could be saved, rescued, set free from sin. Set free from sin's power, set free from sin's control, because Emmanuel comes into our life to free us. Freedom from sin, living life our own way, is not something we have to wait for. It's something that is here today. Do you need that touch today? Do you have some place in your life today where sin is still viciously holding on to your life? As we come to the end of this service, we're going to invite some of you to come down to the altar and just reach out to God and let Emmanuel, God with us, to invite him to come into our life and to set us free from the captivity to sin. Amen? Freedom from sin, freedom from living our ways. Now, the power of God, Emmanuel, God with us, is here for us today. However, much of this song that we sing, and much, it's, it's really interesting as we've studied these this, 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 uh, this year. Many of the songs, we'll talk about another one next week, that a lot of the song, a lot of these songs isn't just about Christ's first coming. A lot of these songs are really pointing towards Christ's second coming. And what's going to happen when Jesus returns and sets this world in order 
and we begin to walk in. Much of this song is about the hope that we have in waiting for him to come. So the rest of these verses points towards the second coming in Christ when all things shall be new. We are waiting for his coming when all things will be put in order. When I was a youth pastor, my dad was pastor. Uh, he talked a lot about the second coming. And, uh, and I, it was always funny, I'd have these teenagers come up to me and, uh, and, and they would ask me, uh, how, how soon do you think that'll be? <laughs> and I almost always knew exactly where they were going. And I would say, why? Why are, why are you concerned? And they'd say, well, you know, uh, I really want to get married before he comes. So really, yeah, I'd really like to you know, be married and have, you know, have some kids and things before, uh, before he comes. Occasionally, uh, occasionally I would have some teenager come up that was uh, uh, called into ministry. And, uh, and they would say, I feel called to me, and I say, well, you know what? If you're going to go into ministry, you need to go to Bible school. You need to get a good foundation of the Word in your life. You need to really understand what, what this is all about. And they would look at me with these eyes and go, uh, you know, what if the Lord comes while I'm in Bible school? I want to get out and start preaching. I want to get out and start doing the work of ministry. I want to get out and start going. I said, no, no, no. You need to go to Bible school and get ready. And some of those kids who argued that with me now have been in pastoral ministry for 30 years as they continue to move forward, get, get prepared. See, here's the deal. When we have things to look forward to, when, when, we, when we're having a good time, when you're at the party, you're not anxiously awaiting the time to leave. In fact, when dad comes around, they come around, you're, you're not anxiously. I remember years ago, we did fall, we'd, do, we'd do fall fest every year. One year, Michael was probably about five or six, and we did this two or three nights. And one night, we were there, and the, and the children's pastor and his family, and everybody else had left. The building's empty except for our family and the children's pastor's family. And I said, Michael, it's time to go. And he looked at me as only a four or five-year-old can do and looked at me and said, why are we always the first ones to leave? <laughs> he was having such a good time that night he didn't even care that everybody else was gone. He was happy to stick around. See, when things are going pretty good for us, you know, we're not anxiously waiting. But when you look at people who where things aren't going so good for them, when you look at most of the world today, the Christian world today, they're standing by the door saying, come on, Lord. When are you going to come? Isn't it time? Aren't you ready? We're ready to go. Most of the world's anxious today for the Lord to come. I want you to keep this in mind. Faith in God has a strong element of waiting for his promises. From the day of the fall of mankind, there was a promise. Abraham had a promise. Israel, when they were in Egypt, they had a promise. When Israel rebelled and found themselves in exile, they went through a time of promise. And there were times when those promises didn't seem like there was any possibility they could be fulfilled. 
For centuries, Israel was spread out around the world with no homeland, and the Bible, God's word, had promised that he would bring them back and form a nation out of them again. And after almost 2,000 years in 1948, God did just that. Because God keeps his promises. We don't wait like dad at the door to take the kids to school. We wait like kids at the door that dad's taken to a party. When do we get to go? When do we get to leave? This is going to be so much better than anything that we have here. And the words to this song that we sing proclaim the hope that we have while we wait. In the meantime, we have individual promises. It was two years ago, this time of year. I remember it clearly because it was a, a, an evening of uh, the, 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 the Academy Christmas program. It had been a, a pretty long uh, ministry season for me that year. Even on our times off, it seemed like uh, ministry requirements and needs had kind of taken precedent over getting much rest. And, and I'll just tell you, that, that day, it was kind of a gloomy, snowy day, and, uh, and I, was, I was physically tired. I was mentally tired, and I was looking out into the future, and I didn't see any rest in the near future. And I was, I was wore out, and I was, I'll tell you, I, I, was, uh, I, was, I was discouraged. I was overwhelmed in the flesh. Renee had come to me and said, okay, we're going to go to the program tonight, aren't we? And I said, yes. She said, well, I'm going to go home. We'll have, some, we'll have dinner, and then we'll come back to the program. And she had left to do that, and, and, and I called her. And I said, look, I'm just going to stay through. I, I just, I'm just going to stay through. And she said, why? I said, I just, need to, I just need to pray for a while. You know, I kind of knew where I was at. And I locked, after things had left, I'd, most of the office had left, I locked the doors of my office and just, uh, just began to tell God. I mean, God knows everything, but he likes us to tell him for some reason. Uh, I began to tell God where I was at in life. Now, I know better than to complain because on my worst day, I have it better than the vast majority of the world. So I don't complain about things because I know how good my life is. But I knew it was okay to tell God how tired I was. And I knew it was okay to tell God that I need some help and some strength. And I was going to wait for that. And frankly, I had one particular burden in my life that I had carried all the years of ministry that I'll just tell you, frankly, I was tired of carrying it. I was just like, God, is this ever going to get better? Am I ever gonna, not going to have to be concerned about this? Are you ever going to lift this off? Is this, is this ever going to be able to get off of my prayer list for any amount of time? Is this ever going to be something that's not in consideration and things? I, I, just I just told God that. I'm just tired of this thing. And I had a concern in my own life that, that I, I just... I just hadn't been able to get any relief from one concern that I just wanted to lay before God. And that night, because I was physically tired, because I was kind of wore out, they both seemed heavier that night than normal. Just because of, when you're weary, things seem heavier, don't they? 
And that was the way it was that night. I had a couple of hours to be alone. So I just began to pray. And as I began to pray, I sensed the Spirit of God say to me, uh, just worship my son tonight. I have a hymn book in, in my office, and I got that hymn book out. And I began to sing some of the Christmas songs. I, I don't know how many I sang just walking around in my office, singing by myself, worshiping God, being thankful and thinking about the greatness of God and letting these songs sink, seep into my heart when I began to sense the life-giving presence of God swell up within me. Have you ever had that experience in your life? That moment when God just begins to move in your spirit. Friend, if you're saved, you've had a touch of that. Because to be saved, God has called your spirit and you've sensed an urge to follow. I want to tell you, that's not supposed to be an unusual thing for us. When you're weary... When you're tired, when you're discouraged, when you're overwhelmed, there's a place where you can go and shut yourself in with God. Listen, your husband's not going to be able to answer that for you. Your wife's not going to be able to take care of that for you. A new job's not going to fix that. Uh, uh, new circumstances aren't going to change that. You need to be in the presence of God. We need to learn to value his presence. Yes, give him a clap off if you know that. And I fear that many Christians, many Christians never, never understand that part of our walk with God, is that God's presence, not only do we know he's with us, but there are, there are times when we can open our life to him that he will flood into our spirit and encourage our soul. And, and if you're in that point of discouragement today, you're in that point of being overwhelmed today, I want to encourage you, don't, don't sit there. Go meet with God. Now, don't go in complaining. Go in holding on to his promises. Go in pointing, looking to him, saying, God, I, 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 need, I need you. In those moments, suddenly, as I worship God, God dropped three promises in my heart. He told, me, he told me, he said, if you will worship my son, I will lift this burden, and you won't have to carry it again. I will answer your concern beyond what you can imagine. And in that moment, he did something in me that was a life-changing moment for me that I've never been the same from again. Because God is true. Now, now get this. He changed something in me that night. A portion of something happened. I want you to understand. So, so for some of you who, are, who have a promise, I want you to understand this. I had that burden. I have seen bits and pieces of that burden lifted. But it hasn't been the full answer to the promise yet. I, occasionally, I still, I still feel that burden try to settle back on my shoulders. I still feel the weight of it come my way. And when I do, like a child at the door, I look to heaven and I say, God, you said this was going to be lifted and I was never going to have to carry it again. When is it going to be lifted? And God whispers in my heart, you have my promise wait on me. I have seen 
bits and pieces of my concern answered, but it's still there. I still have some concerns. And at times I will say to God, God, I'm still concerned about this. And every time I do, he takes me right back to that place in my office. I can tell you right where I was standing. He said, I told you right there. I'm going to meet this concern. You have my promise. Listen, faith is about waiting with joyful expectation when the answer doesn't seem to be there. Some of you have promises in your life. God has whispered them in your heart in a time of prayer. You have read the word and a portion of the word has grabbed a hold of you and you have a promise. You have heard a sermon and you've known that word was for me today. You've had a friend come and share something with you and your spirit has said, that's God's voice speaking to you through your friend. You have a promise. But it hasn't happened yet. Time has ticked away. Weeks, months, maybe years, and you wait. It's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to be frustrated. Maybe easy to get angry and say, God, where are you? And maybe you're standing there going, come on, God. Come on, Emmanuel. Come be with me. But listen, God's promise is true. So much of our faith and so much of our walk is saying, God, I believe you. Come, Emmanuel. Oh, come, shows us the heart of the anxious waiter. Today we sing with hope, we sing with joy, we sing with expectancy about the second coming of Christ. It seems long in waiting, but it is as sure as the stars in the heavens. He's coming back again someday. Now God has promised something to you. And it seems long in the waiting, but hear me, He's going to come through. You have His Word. There is daily new strength in His presence new confidence for your spirit when you hold on to his to his promise we can begin to sing today like this song we are free from satan's tyranny come cheer our spirits by your presence drive away lord the shades of the night pierce the clouds and bring us light make safe the way that leads on high and close the path that that of misery rejoice rejoice Emmanuel shall come. We are holders of a promise. And as we hold that promise, we anxiously await its fulfillment. Do you have a promise you wait on with anxious anticipation? Then let his strength be in you. Let's stand together today. We're going to sing this song and open our hearts to God. And as we do today, if there's some place where sin still has a grip on you, and you need freedom from that, you need freedom from that captivity, I want to invite you to come and round this altar. It's just a way of saying to your body, to your spirit, to your soul, to God, God, I'm here to be set free. And if you have a promise that you've been waiting on, 
a son or daughter that's not making good decisions, a brokenness in your life, something that's going on in your life, and you feel like God's given you a promise, but it's not there yet, and you're feeling weary, you're feeling tired, you're feeling, is this ever going to come? Listen, the assurance is in the presence of God. You come down around this altar and say, God, I'm coming to say, I've heard your promise and I am anxiously awaiting. I come to stand at the door and say, God, I'm going to wait here anxiously until you say it's time. And when that door opens, I know everything's going to be different. If you're waiting for that promise, you come. Right now, in Jesus' name, begin to come as we worship the Lord today. Worship Him. Come and worship Him. Oh, Jesus. Bless the Lord. I'm going to ask our prayer teams to come down around. Just begin to pray with folks around here. I have, I have two words for you today. For those of you who came down. And for some of those who are still sitting here. In the Old Testament, the children of Israel were established. And they would get in some trouble. They would have some problems. And, and the enemies would begin to come in around them. And so many times, we see this over and over again, they would go try to make a treaty with somebody. They'd go to the Assyrians because the Babylonians would come. Or they would go to Egypt because the Assyrians were coming. They would go try. And God would just look at them and go, I didn't tell you to go to them. I told you to come to me. They're trying to figure out the answer on their own. That's what got Solomon in trouble. He's trying to, how do I get treaties with all these people? I'll just marry, I'll just marry all of the, all of the, some princes from there and we'll, we'll all get along. And what the princesses did is they brought in the gods of those places that corrupted Israel. God didn't say, he didn't say run, go to figure it out. He says, come to me. Come to me. Don't think you're all that smart. Come to me. And here's the other word. The answer comes suddenly. For 400 years, the children of Israel were in Egypt, and God said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set you free. Someday you're going to go to a land that's your own. And suddenly Moses shows up. For thousands of years, they waited for the Messiah to come. And suddenly, in Bethlehem, a baby was born. And as we sit here today, we're waiting for the second coming, and it seems a long way off, and it seems like, is this ever going to happen? Is this really true? But let me tell you, suddenly, it's going to happen. It's going to happen someday. And in the thing God has promised you, suddenly, suddenly, it'll be darkest, it'll be the most discouraging, right before he answers so trust him amen father i pray for those around this altar some come because there's some captivity to sin that they need to be freed from and we just pray you break that hold and their heart would be changed and there would no longer be this enticement in their spirit that they would walk in the freedom of cap freedom of, ca of, of captivity from that thing and walk, Father, in righteousness. And some come because we have a promise and, Lord, it, it seems like it's been a long time in coming. It's discouraging at times. But, Lord, we're asking you to fill us with the joy of your presence so that we would remember that your promises 
are true. Father, your promises, this is not impossible. It's not too far out for you. It's not overwhelming from you. Nothing's, no one's too stubborn. No one's too hard. No one's too lost. You can minister to every need. Let the joy of that reign in us, Lord, as we anxiously await the fulfillment of your promise. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's just worship the Lord another time. And prayer teams, just begin to pray with folks around the altar. And